Greetings to everyone. Today we have our second talk. This one is entitled The Birthing Process. Let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come Holy Spirit, enlighten our minds and our hearts. Lead us into the fullness of the truth. Our Lady, Seed of Wisdom, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The birthing process. As mentioned, we can talk about three different kinds of births. There's the natural, the physical. There's the birth of faith. And the birth into a whole new world which comes at our death, the passage to a new life. Today we'll be focusing on the second one. I don't think I have much to say about the first one, the natural or the physical. It'd be interesting to have a midwife or, or I guess mothers in general speak about that because you could draw all kinds of interesting um, observations and uh, reality and lessons from that, the way the the mother is conscious, conscious, but the child is not. Um, the child being squeezed, the opening of the lungs, that painful process of the birth that comes to the child, um, and then show the different analogies and comparisons to what what that means in our life of faith. But we won't go into that. <laughs> too much. We're going to focus on this birthing process of the faith. And um, especially we're going to develop over the eight talks here that this, this process of being born into eternal life, born into the life of God, there's three aspects that are fundamental. One is the Word of God. Two, access to the heart. And three, spiritual discernment. So today we're going to focus especially on the Word of God as related to this being born again, born from above. It comes from our, comes from faith. So this is very schematic, uh, but Father John was speaking of St. Gregory of Nyssa, who speaks about how the Old Testament can be kind of summarized in a sense in this process of listening to the word of God and obeying that word. And the New Testament is to become seers that light of faith. The revelation is full, we become seers. The Old Testament, that listening to the word of God and that obeying is kind of a preparation and a foundation. And this is kind of schematic. This is uh, just a rough 
a rough cut because obviously the two go together. And there was a certain seeing in the Old Testament and with the prophets, of course. And in the New Testament, that listening to the word of God and obeying is absolutely the foundation that remains. So to follow the commandments, it's something so simple, uh, but especially if we have a strong propensity, a strong inclination towards spirituality, towards mysticism, um, that's something for us to always come back to, to root ourselves and ground ourselves in this simple obedience to the Word of God, to the commandments, to, to what we learn in the Scripture. And as we'll see, this goes, of course, with this access to the heart and spiritual discernment, all that's tied in always with our spiritual life, our mystical life, uh, with, with the Lord. We have to set these kind of firm foundations. Obedience is what holds everything together. If we're not obedient, which implies that we are um, following our conscience, which is the voice of God, the echo of God in our, in our heart, in our soul, in our life, then everything else uh, can and will fall apart. So the basic kind of pillars of our Christian life, that we, that we have prayer, that we uh, read scripture, formation, that we have community that surrounds us, that we're going out and evangelizing, service, outreach, all that, we're giving what we've received. Um, all that, those pillars, uh, won't really be intact unless we're obeying the word of God. Jesus says to Pilate, Pontius Pilate, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27, this is the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 to 7, where Jesus lays down that foundation again. Everyone then who hears the words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rain fell and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. to hear the words of Jesus and to put them into action. That is the foundation where we build our life, where we build our house. Very simple, but the foundation, the principle of our life. 
And then John 14, starting with verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. All right, so there we have the... If you love me, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to really follow me, you will keep my commandments. And then John will always come back to that over and over again in the gospel and in his, his letter, the first letter of John, to keep the commandments. And what is the commandment? To love your brothers and sisters. Always come back to St. Paul, Romans 13, 8 to 10, that love is the fulfillment of the law. You can't go wrong by loving your brothers and sisters and all the other commandments, all the other, the law is summarized in that, it's elevated in that, and then you will live in that freedom, the freedom of God, the freedom of the spirits. But always coming back to that objective foundation, the objective foundation that we have in the Word of God, the revelation comes to us through Scripture. And it is explicitated and made current, so to speak, to, with the changes and the tides in the culture through the tradition of the church, tradition with the big T. And the catechism, etc., will help us to flesh out what's in the Scriptures to uh, see how it uh, applies to our times and circumstances in our life. But that revelation is contained in the scriptures, and that is the objective truth about it. There's no kind of going above or beyond or not uh, following certain commandments because your intention is good, your intention is to love, your intention is to do good to the other, so I'm going to... I don't know, cut some corners or compromises or um, uh, a lot of the, there's been a big kind of fallout or scandal in the church, um, different from lay, lay leaders to the priests to founders of communities. Um, and a lot of times there's something here with this, with this kind of, paradigm of, uh, no, I'm doing it, uh, I'm going b beyond the kind of normal commandments because uh, the Spirit's leading me. I really feel inspired in this way to give this person, um, to give this person uh, a special, <laughs> sounds bad, a special, a special love. Like, no, that's called abuse. And no matter what you feel or how strong you feel, if it's not rooted in our faith, if it's not rooted in the revelation of God, it can't be from God. God doesn't contradict himself. So to love Jesus is to keep his commandments, pure and simple. And this, too, will be 
the, the key to allow us to deepen that grace and the fruits of the charismatic renewal. Uh, Father John of the Cynical was speaking about his experience in the charismatic renewal. He, he's not one that's very charismatically inclined, and he definitely didn't grow up in a family that was, that was either. And they weren't into the charismatic movement. He was more from kind of a traditional background. Uh, but when he goes to the Philippines, he's assigned to different charismatic groups, I think even on a national level, perhaps. And so he's kind of a pastor to, um, to the charismatics. And one little uh, kind of story he shared was he's at this national conference uh, the, before the Blessed Sacrament. The, the leader is getting them to be, come in prayer. It was a little chaotic at first. It was, um, he was a little kind of overwhelmed by everything. But then they bring it to adoration. There's a time of silence, a time of, a time of prayer. And then somebody starts to whistle. Then somebody starts to sing a little tune. Somebody joins in. And he's thinking, ah, this is going to get crazy again. Chaotic. And then more people join in. There's different things going on. The whistles, the singing. People start praying in tongues. And he said this, all these different sounds, all these different noises started to make an incredible symphony, a beautiful kind of orchestra of praise and worship to God. So the charismatic renewal, he gave a little history on that too, and I just looked up a few, a few things. Um, so very interesting. It's the kind of official starting point was 1967 at Duquesne or Duquesne University, however you pronounce that, uh, with university students. Uh, but the the roots are more interesting. Of course, the root of Pentecost is Pentecost itself, and there's always been the charismatic. Uh, a charismatic element in the church, the, char- the charisms, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and that's always lived in the lives of the saints, that's always lived in any Christian who's living of the Spirit, and depending on how much we put up obstacles to that is how much we actually live from it. But there's always been times of renewal in the church and always need of renewal, and this charismatic renewal... Um, Something kind of foundational seemed to happen in um, the late 1800s, early 1900s. And so it's Pope Leo XIII who writes an encyclical on the Holy Spirit, 1896, and somehow connected with uh, Blessed Conchita also. And I was looking up too, it seems to be very connected with this Blessed Elena Guerra, who especially from 1895 to 1903, was praying for outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church. And so at that time too, um, Pope Leo XIII writes his encyclical. And, and so whatever you think about this, um, it seems as if those prayers were answered, but first of all, to our separated brethren. So in the late 18... 18- 1800s, 
or no, I believe it was 1901, um, there's a huge renewal uh, in one of the Protestant churches. And then in 1906, you have the Azusa Street Revival. And so the Pentecostal movement starts to spread um, quickly among, among the Protestants. And then John the 23rd is praying for outpouring of the Holy Spirit again, the Second Vatican Council, soon after 1967. At Duquesne University, there's um, to the, the Catholic group comes um, the gifts and the charisms in a very powerful way. So whatever you think about that, um, the point is that uh, the charismatic renewal with all its challenges, with all its um, uh, kind of wackiness at times, is something that is fundamentally a gift to the church for the renewal of the church to live the, the gifts and the charisms in a radical way. And when I say radical, I just mean a way that is fundamental, that uh, God is God is pure gift. God asks all of us, and so he wants us to live our gifts and charisms. And these pointed towards, especially towards evangelism. This is renewal in the evangelism, to actually go out and to be bold, be courageous, and to live this, this infinite power that's poured into broken vessels to go out and to witness to Jesus, to witness with our lives. And so God gives gifts, gifts that are supernatural, that are meant to be opened up and to be witnesses to the world, including signs and wonders, including miracles of healing, etc. And all that to say that the charismatic renewal is goes one and the same with this foundational uh, loving of the neighbor obedience to the commandments John 14:23 if a man loves me he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him and so we're going to dive deeper into this Imminence, this God dwelling within, which is the root of all fruitfulness, which is the root too of all our charisms and all the gifts. Because to all we always keep in mind too that incredible passage from Jesus who says, Ah, you will knock and say, Lord, let me in. Did I not do miracles in your name? exercise demons? Did I not do all these different things, all these incredible works, even miracles in your name? And I will say, I did not know you. Depart from me, you evildoers. So to do the will of God is essential. To do the will of God, we need to be able to tune in and listen. Obedience to the commandments, as we'll see, this obedience to the commandments has nothing to do with stifling our freedom or... Um, not allowing us to be who we truly are and to live these uh, charisms in a spontaneous way that leads us into all kinds of freedom. It goes hand in hand with that, but it's, it's in, the, in the spiritual way. The law kills, St. Paul says, 
but the Spirit sets you free. Be led by the Spirit. So to be led by the Spirit is to keep the commandments in love. And this is going to be, yes, it's going to manifest itself exteriorly, but it's on the inside, the imminence, to be able to listen to God. And when we meditate on what the commandments are, to actually really realize those in the depths of our being, uh, and those will naturally then um, come and be our works, be the fruit that we bear. So obedience to the word is to be simple, it's to be little, it's to be a humble servant of the Lord, to give up our pride, to be a son, to be a daughter, to live of our true identity as God, as our Father, and we, His creatures, made out of His love. is to keep the commandments out of love, that fundamental teaching. All right, for our meditation today, it's going to be John chapter 3, verses 11 to 21. John chapter 3, verses 11 to 21. Now, in this meditation, imagine that you're Nicodemus. And tell Jesus your obstacles. In a simple, humble way, with good faith. Tell Jesus what your obstacles are. What are your obstacles to faith? Be specific. Ask Jesus to show you clearly what the obstacle is to you, what obstacles there are to you for, to a full faith in Him, to live fully a faith. And then also ask for a true grace of repentance to all these obstacles of faith. A true grace of repentance to all the obstacles of faith. And then always remember to rest in the Lord. Spend some time allowing Him to, to just be with you, to be in His presence. Let's now pray for the intercession of our Blessed Mother who brings us life in Christ, who is our mother, in whom we are born of water and spirit, with her spouse, the Holy Spirit, as she is also a daughter of the Father, the mother of the Son. May she pray for us and intercede for us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.